Hello and welcome to Worship from Schweitzer. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Jason. It's a joy to welcome you in worship today. I hope you're having a great day and hope you're anticipating great things to come. If this is your first time with us, we'd invite you to take a moment, let us know you're here. We've got a Starbucks gift card that we'd love to send to you as a way of just saying thanks for being with us in worship. Today, we're going to encounter week number six, the finale of our Spiritual Life Sermon Series. We're going to be taking a look at John 17, where Jesus prays for the church. And what does it look like to be unified together in the Spirit? How does the Spirit do that? We're going to hear uh, some thoughts on that in just a moment. Before we get there, though, if you would like to grow deeper with the sermon, if you'd like to encounter some some questions, you can go to Schweitzer.church slash next. You'll find all kinds of ways where you can grow deeper in your faith. Up next is Stephanie. And she's going to tell us things that are coming up. And especially this week, she's going to share with us what's happening during Holy Week and what's happening on Easter Sunday. Some great things ahead. So let's take a listen to Stephanie. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Easter is happening next Sunday and we have a great week planned. Beginning on Thursday, we will have a special Maundy Thursday communion service at 6 p.m. This is a great way to prepare your heart and mind for Easter Sunday. Then on Good Friday and Holy Saturday, we invite you to bring your friends, family, or small group to the Student Center for a Stations of the Cross experience. This will be an interactive way of walking through the last hours of Jesus' life. The Stations of the Cross experience will be open on Friday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Then on Easter Sunday, we'll kick off our celebration with our traditional worship service at 9 a.m., followed by an egg hunt for all the kids at 1015, and then our modern worship service at 11 a.m. The morning will be packed with opportunities for the whole family, including a photo booth, a huge hospitality tent, and even an art gallery. You'll want to arrive early for parking and to give yourself plenty of time to enjoy all of these things. Coming up the week after Easter, there are some great ways to engage. On Saturday, April 23rd from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., our outreach partner, Flourish, is hosting a marketplace in the gym to support local small business owners. Come on out and shop and find out all that these local businesses have to offer while also supporting our outreach partner, Flourish. You can find out more at flourishcdc.org. On Sunday, April 24th, we'll celebrate confirmation with our Schweitzer students. We have 30 teens who have walked through the confirmation process this year. And on the 24th at 5 p.m., we'll host a special service to celebrate with them. This service will include baptisms, worship, and a time of faith affirmation for these students. Everyone is invited to attend, and we would love to see you there. On Saturday, April 30th, we're inviting all the ladies to come away for a spiritual getaway at the Lovett Pinetum in Stratford. Come meet other ladies and be encouraged in God's Word. You can find out more and sign up today at the Blue Booth in our lobby. Again, we can't wait to celebrate Easter with you next Sunday. Be sure to stop by the Blue Booth to pick up an invitation card. And don't forget to share on social media that you're planning to spend Easter Sunday at Schweitzer. We are so grateful that you're here this morning. Let's continue with worship. 
Thanks, Stephanie, for that good word. Now, if you're worshiping with us live, we invite you to take a moment, say hello in the chat feature. If you'd like prayer, there's somebody that would be happy to pray with you. And today, as we as we get ready to worship, uh, this is Palm Sunday or the, the week of Palm Sunday. And so we're, we're looking forward to what's ahead. And as we enter into Palm Sunday, we, we want to be reminded that we hear these words. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, loud Hosanna. Let us enter into worship together.
as we come to a time of prayer, I want to invite you and all of those watching with you to enter uh, this season of prayer, this moment of prayer, with uh, prayers of thanksgiving and prayers of petition that emanate from the places we're coming from, the, the events of our lives. Uh, the Lord longs to hear us prayer. The Lord invites us to engage with Him. And so with great joy, with the invitation of God, let us take our thanksgivings and our petitions to the Lord this day. Spirit of promise and spirit of unity. We thank you that you are also the spirit of renewal. Renew in the whole church that passionate desire for the coming of your kingdom, which will unite all Christians in one mission to the world. May we all grow up together into him who is our head, the savior of the world. Amen. And now let's join our voices in the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, one of the acts of worship is the act of giving. And we're always grateful um, for your generosity. And we're always grateful for the opportunity to give and to see what God does with our gifts. One of the things that took place about seven years ago, Schweitzer started a neighborhood garden. It's called the East Stanford Neighborhood Garden. And there have been a lot of different people, a lot of different stories that have come out of that garden. This year, there's some new things happening. And we're, we're thrilled to see people in the garden once again. Things are starting to bloom. They're starting to blossom. Some, some new things are emerging. In fact, next week, we're going to have a couple of interviews with two farmers that are becoming urban farmers in the garden. It's a, it's a whole new thing. We want to invite you to come back and, ne- and hear about that next week. It's going to be fantastic, some fantastic stories. But really, all of that growth and all of, of what we see happening right now is because people have had great joy in being faithful with the resources that God has shared with them to share with others. So we give uh, thanks for what God is doing, and we continue to want to be a part of that. And if you want to be a part of what God's up to, you can go to Schweitzer.church give and be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you so much. And now, next up is Pastor Spencer, and he's going to lead us in the Spiritful Life, chapter 6. And, and he's going to share with us what it is to have unity in the Spirit. So let's take a listen.
friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm so glad that you've joined us today for worship. Today is going to be part six of our series on the Spirit-filled life. We're going to wrap up the series today. Today's obviously Palm Sunday. We celebrate Jesus entering Jerusalem uh, for Holy Week. Next week is Easter, where we're going to celebrate the the truth of the empty tomb and the, and the promise we have in resurrection. And then after that, we're going to start a new series on Psalm 46 as we explore how the Lord is our refuge and we can trust Him no matter what our life looks like. Can't wait to share um, those messages coming up with you over the next few weeks. Today, as we wrap up this series on the Spirit-Filled Life, our whole goal in this series has been to offer some practical teachings about how do you live in the power, the presence, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because we don't want to just know things about the Holy Spirit. We want to actually live in what it is that the Lord offers us. And so my goal in this series has been to be practical. Let's explore some real tools that we can use to to live into what the Lord has for us and the power, the presence, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because this is called the Spirit-filled life. It's not just what we know. It's about how we actually live. Now, in this series, we've been guided by Jesus and a lengthy teaching of His. We find it in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And so for the last six weeks, we've just been reading through this teaching, like every word, line by line, working our way through this teaching that Jesus gives about about how it is that we live in the power, presence, promise of the Holy Spirit. And as we're going through the series, uh, one of the things we pointed out each week is that this teaching, it falls right on the heels of the Last Supper. So imagine the scene. They've shared the bread and the wine. Uh, they sit around, they're sitting around the table and Jesus is talking about what's next. And of course, what's next, what's immediately after this is that Jesus is gonna be arrested and convicted and crucified and then resurrected. And so this comes right at the tail end of his ministry, right before everything that happens in Holy Week. And so, and so Jesus is teaching them about what's next. And today we're gonna turn the very last bit of his teaching, John chapter 17. We're gonna pick up right where we left off last week. And in John 17, Jesus wraps up this teaching with a prayer which I love because whenever we go through our messages here, we always wrap up with a prayer just like Jesus does. So it's a good good example that he gives us. And so as we go through John 17, uh, we're gonna read the whole chapter um, and here's what Jesus prays on the tail end of this teaching. It goes like this. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you've gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. And now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you've gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, and they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's praying for us. He goes on and says, That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. In them, I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. The world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And that's the end of the teaching. But then let's go on and read one more verse, John 18, verse one, where we read, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples, crossed the Kindred Valley, and on the other side, there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it and of course, we know how the story goes, where Jesus is betrayed by Judas, he's arrested, he's convicted, he's crucified, and three days later, he's alive. But we'll save that for next week. This week, as we think about this prayer of Jesus, we, we see the final little bit of this teaching on the Spirit-filled life. And you may have noticed as we read through this lengthy, lengthy prayer that Jesus doesn't once mention specifically you know, the Holy Spirit. He didn't read those words anywhere in this prayer. And in the series of the Holy Spirit life, that might, or the Spirit for life, that might seem a little strange. But, but while he doesn't specifically mention the Holy Spirit, this prayer is really based on the assumption of the Holy Spirit because it's a prayer for the church. And as you, anytime you think about the church, we also think about the Holy Spirit. This is something that Christians have long, long taught that anytime you talk about the church, and I don't mean the institution or the bureaucracy or the organization, I mean the people of God. Anytime you talk about the fellowship, the community, the people of God, you are also talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about the church. And you can't talk about the church without talking about the Holy Spirit. This is why in the Apostles' Creed, we say that we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the Holy Universal Church. We, we join these two things together because you can't talk about one without talking about the other. This is also why uh, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the first followers of Jesus, why we call that the birthday of the church, because it's when the Holy Spirit comes that the, that the church is born. This is what the Holy Spirit does, that he is involved in the church and that you can't talk about the Holy Spirit without talking about the church. You can't talk about the church without talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the assumption of this entire prayer. Now, as you read through the prayer, you notice that Jesus prays for certain things, some specific things. Let's look at some, some of those. Uh, we see a few things here. First, we see that Jesus prays for the protection of the church. Verse 15, Jesus prays for the protection of the church. He says, uh, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Uh, two, Jesus prays that the church would be made holy. So he says things like this. This is verse 18. He says, sanctify them. The word sanctify, sanctification, it means to be made holy. So sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. 
3, Jesus prays that the church would share the gospel in the world. And so we read this, verse 18. He says, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. But four, the biggest thing that Jesus prays for, the most common thing he prays for in this lengthy prayer is for the unity of the church. So a few examples of this, just a few. Verse 11, Jesus says, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, that they may be brought to complete unity. And so we see in this prayer this big idea that Jesus, as he's praying for the church, right before the cross, right before his, his sacrifice given for us, he prays for the unity of the church. He prays that the church, the fellowship, those who follow him might be united together because one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit brings unity into the church. Now, as I say that, I understand that there might be an objection or two that people raise. You might have a few questions in your mind as as I say that, that Jesus prays for the unity of the church and the Holy Spirit. One of the things he does, he brings the unity of the church. I I get that there's some objections to that because, you know, you might look around and you might say, okay, so if Jesus prays for these things and the Holy Spirit's supposed to do this, bring unity for the church, did the Holy Spirit fail? I mean, because I look around and there's churches everywhere. I mean, there's a church on every street corner in Springfield. So why is it that there's all these different kinds of churches? If, if Jesus was going to pray that there would be unity and the Holy Spirit would bring unity, did the, did the Holy Spirit fail? Because why else do we have all these different churches, all these different denominations, different kinds of churches? I mean, we don't even know how many denominations are in America. It's estimated. People estimate it's like 200 some odd denominations that are in the, in the States. And, and globally, listen to this, it's estimated, we don't know, but estimated that something like 45,000 different denominations around the world. And so it'd be easy to be cynical and to see something like that and to think, well, did Jesus' prayer not work? Did the Holy Spirit fail to bring unity if this is what Jesus wanted for us? And if this is you know, what, what it is that the Spirit was supposed to do, how, how do you make sense of that? So here's how I make sense of that. And this might be helpful. This might not be helpful, but here's how I think about this. I tend to look at the world and I tend to look at all these churches like in our town in Springfield, there's churches in every street corner. I tend to look at that as a good thing. I tend to look at that as a good thing. Now I get it. You can be cynical. and You can look at all these different churches and think that it's a breakdown of unity. There's just division everywhere. But, but I tend to think of it as a, as a good thing. And, and one of the things you have to think about as you think about the, the unity of the church that Jesus desired is you got to remember that Jesus wasn't praying for institutional unity. He was praying for a spiritual unity. And those two things are different. Like Jesus didn't come to start an institution, right, that has elected officers and a common set of bylaws and shares a you know tax status of 501c3 tax status altogether that we have just one institution that's not what Jesus came for Jesus came that he might start a a spiritual unity a fellowship where we join together for the purpose of Christ to share Christ in the world to grow people as disciples of Jesus and we do this in all kinds of different ways in all kinds of different methods, and all kinds of different ways we, we seek to, to, to join together in that, in that common mission. And so I tend to think that it's, it's a good thing that we have all these churches everywhere because that means that these churches in their own unique way, in their own fellowship, can offer this message of Christ to the world in, in the way that they need to do. Because if we had complete unity in an institutional kind of way, well, that means there would be one church 
and it would be in Jerusalem still, all united together and never having divided in any way or sent people out in any kind of way uh, because they would just be there. Or maybe there would be one church in each individual community, just one church in Springfield. But I tend to think that we're better off having these different kinds of ways that we're trying to, to reach people. Now, at the same time, we're also not living into the unity that Jesus prays for either. I mean, if you read through the New Testament, one of the things that you're going to see over and over and over and over again are teachings about how to live in the unity of the Holy Spirit, especially if you read the letters of Paul, because Paul wrote a lot about how a church is supposed to function. So let's let's look at some of this, and let's look at a really good example of this, and let's go to 1 Corinthians. I want to show you uh, some, some teaching about this that we see in the New Testament about how it is that we're supposed to live in unity together. And if you're not familiar with 1 Corinthians, this is a letter. It was written by Paul. And this church that received this letter is all kinds of broken. Oh my goodness. I mean, they have divisions and the backbiting, all kinds of gossip and factions that are taking place. It is a broken church that needs some teaching about how to be unified. One of the best examples of this, and I just kind of think it's hilarious as well, is that Paul has to teach them about how to take communion. They're so broken. This is what's happening when they share communion together. You know, they take the bread and the wine. They use wine, you know, like we use grape juice, but they have wine. And uh, at a communion, there are people who are rushing to the front of the line and drinking all of the wine before other people can. And so Paul has to teach them not to do that. Like out of all the things you would think you don't have to teach people to do, like that's one. This is how broken this church is. They are divided. They are selfish. They're self-centered. They, they, they have all kinds of factions. And, and so Paul writes this letter. And in it, he writes this incredible description of what unity looks like. So I want to read this to you. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He's going to talk in here about spiritual gifts, but the bigger point he's making is about how the unity of the church is supposed to function. So let's read through this. I want to, I want you to catch this vision for, for how we live into unity, this prayer that Jesus offers us. So here's how he goes. 1 Corinthians 12, here's verse 1. He says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So we're going to read about spiritual gifts, but the bigger point he's making is really about unity, but it's just coming through the lens of spiritual gifts. Verse 2. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to read a whole bunch here about unity in just a second, but before we get there, I want you to notice how this starts, that the basis of unity the basis of what the Holy Spirit creates here is that he centers the church on Jesus Christ. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. So any unity that we have, we strive for, we seek after is based on us being Christ-centered, grounded squarely in Jesus Christ. And I say that because sometimes there is a temptation to maybe downplay Jesus for the sake of unity. I mean, I've heard it argued that maybe we don't need to believe the same things about Jesus, like about his resurrection or about his divinity or about the work that he's done on the cross or atonement or his blood. And, and it's almost as if these kinds of things are secondary issues, but they're, they're not. It's like, if we lose that, we lose everything. All of our unity, it comes from being centered on Jesus Christ. Now, from that, we can talk about the diversity that we find within the church, but it's first found in and the lordship and the supremacy of Jesus. So listen to how we keep going here. We're going to talk about the diversity in the body of Christ now. So verse 4, Paul says, There are different kinds of gifts, 
but the same Spirit distributes them. Pay attention to those two words, different and same. Different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now that word manifestation in the Greek that this was originally written in, it literally means to shine. That's the idea here is that the Holy Spirit is going to shine through you for the common good. He's going to do this through through gifts and service, but he's going to shine through us and he's going to shine through us differently. It's not going to look the same for all of us, but he's going to shine through us in in different ways, but it's all going to be for the for the benefit of everyone. I I like to think of it at like like a symphony. Like all of us have a role to play. All of us have a part. And individually those parts are good and they're pleasing, but when you add them together and you play different parts, all of a sudden you have this sound that is exponentially better. And this is what we have with the unity of the church. It's almost as if it's a, like a symphony of the spirit. While we each individually do our part, it grows together into this beautiful symphony of the spirits. Uh, Paul keeps going here, verse eight. He says, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between these Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. And this is a, one of uh, four lists in the New Testament that list out the spiritual gifts. And in each list, they're different. So this is not an exhaustive list of the gifts of the Spirit, but it's, it's, it's part of it. And of course, the bigger role, bigger point he's making here is that we all have a part to play. Not that any one gift or any one service or any one work is, is what's important, is that we all have a part to play. And so since we do this, we live in the spirit-empowered unity. As he shines through us, we keep reading here, and here's how it goes. Paul says, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body's not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, would not for that reason stop being part of the body. The whole bo- if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. 
And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, the miracles, then gives a healing of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I know that was a long reading, but, but I, I love 1 Corinthians 12 because it's like, okay, so what does spirit-empowered unity look like? Well, it looks like a body. That's what it looks like. It looks like a body where all these different parts are coming together for one specific purpose. It, it, it looks like a body that is appreciating and taking care of one another where every part has its purpose, every part has its role, and every part understands what its role and purpose is. And, and when we live into that vision we see here, which is the prayer of Jesus, the spirit-empowered unity, when we live into that, we don't have time for the kinds of things that divide us, bickering and gossip and factions and bitterness that, that we don't forgive one another. No, no, no. Instead, we become focused on our mission and we live into the world making disciples and inviting others to come be part of the body of Christ that he's doing because, because this is now how we are functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does spirit-empowered unity look like? It, it looks like a body. So let's think about this practically, because again, we want this series to be practical. How do, we, how do we live into this? And so as we think about this prayer of Jesus that's all about unity of the church, and we think about the spirit-empowered unity we read in 1 Corinthians 12 and lots of other places in the Bible, you know, this is really becomes a call for us to begin to think about how we practice unity in our own lives. It becomes a call for us to, to think about our own relationship with, with our church, and when I say our church, I, I mean our congregation. Because unity is not one of these abstract ideas that we just think about. Unity and division is really a way of life. It's how we approach these relationships that we find around us every single day. It's how we approach our relationship and our posture, even to our church. Unity and division is, is a way of life. And so as we think about unity and the choice of living into unity in the spirit-empowered way that, that God wants to move through us, I, I think about this. I, I think there's a couple different groups that I'm talking to this morning. I think there's a group of people who I'm, I'm talking to this morning who, when they think about their relationship with our church, this is a relationship where they are well-connected. They're part of the body. The spirit is shining through in them, and, and they, they know their role. They know their people. There's a group of people who are, who are with us today who understand uh, how it is that, that this, the, the church functions and what it is that the church needs from them and they know what it is that they offer. Uh, this is a group of people who they know who to call because they're connected to others. When life goes hard, they know who to call, they know who to pick up the phone to talk to a mature believer who's gonna pray for them and there's people that they're praying for because they're connected to the life of the body. And then there's another group of people who I'm also talking to today who, who's disconnected who uh, isn't serving, they're not using their role, they're not using their voice, they, they don't have the relationships, they, they haven't lived into what, what, what God is doing among them and in them, and, and they don't really know who, who's praying for them or who they're praying for. They, they, they don't really know how this is really connected at all, and there's a, there's a group of people who are, who are disconnected. And so today as we think about these two groups, and I'm sure there's people in the middle of this, I, I want to offer a word of encouragement to, to both groups today as we think about our choice to live in the unity of the Spirit today. And so first of all, let me just offer you a word of encouragement. If you're in this group who feels disconnected, maybe you were even connected at one time, maybe two years ago, pandemic happened, and now you're disconnected. Let me offer you just a word of encouragement. Lean in. 
Take a step. Take a step towards relationships. Take a step towards connection in the church. Take a step towards building relationships with others around you. If you are online only, I wanna encourage you, start coming back to worship just to be around others. Maybe not every week, but just start taking these steps to come back. If, if you're in worship and this is your, your family, this is the thing that you do, don't just rush out the door at the end of service, but, but take time to, to get to know people, introduce yourself to people. When the announcements come on every week and there's opportunities to get connected and serve and be involved, like listen to those, sign up for these, take a step towards relationship. And then if you're somebody who's well-connected, you know who your people are, you're serving, you're part of the body, you're part of, of what it is that God's doing here and you're just really well connected, you know your role, you're, you're serving in that kind of way, the Spirit is shining through you. Let me offer you a word of encouragement as well. Have eyes to see the people around you who are disconnected. Have eyes to see that you can invite them and introduce yourself to them. When you see someone who's not connected, invite them to come along with you to your class, your group, your, to serve alongside you that, that they might also find the connections that you have found in our church. Because unity is, is a choice. Unity and division is a way of life. And there are people who come to church every single week hoping that somebody talks to them. May, may you be that person because, because you are seeking to connect with others for the Spirit to shine through, for you to use your gifts in a way that benefits the entire body. And when we do this, when we choose to live in this kind of way, we are living into the prayer of Jesus. We're living into this Holy Spirit-empowered unity that is shining through us. And we are going to invite others to come alongside us. We're going to be a beacon of hope and light into a broken world. And to me, man, that is the perfect picture of the Spirit-filled life. Let's pray together. And so, Father, today we pray for our church. We pray the prayer that Jesus prayed for unity within our church. I wanna pray for my friends who, who, maybe there's a group here who is very well connected in the church. They know who their people are. They've got friendships and relationships and they know their gifts and they're serving and they know their role in the church. I wanna pray that you would bless them, Lord, that they also might have eyes to see those who are disconnected, to invite others, to include others, to serve others, to use our gifts to shine brightly um, with the spirit inside of us, that we might seek to include other people to the unity of the church. And I pray for those who might be disconnected today. May you give them courage, wisdom, guidance to take a step towards relationships, towards being known, towards serving and using our gifts and exploring what this looks like. Because Lord, it's together that we become this witness of the goodness of God. And so Lord, may we live as a body of Christ. May we live where we are each doing our role and our part to shine brightly with the work of the Spirit inside of us. And Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us in worship today. I hope you were blessed by it. We are already beginning to turn our eyes and attention toward Easter Sunday, the celebration of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. On, on Easter Sunday, our services are going to be live streamed from the sanctuary, and that's going to take place at 9 and 11 a.m. So if you join us um, via video, uh, check it out at 9 or 11. If you're close by, we'd love to have you show up and be in person, celebrate with us in person at 9 and 11 a.m. on Easter Sunday. Uh, this week is Holy Week, and so we've got 
a number of things happening, and those are happening on campus. Uh, Holy Thursday is happening at six o'clock. And then Good Friday, we've got a Stations of the Cross experience. I've heard it's gonna be bigger and better than last year. That's what I've, what I've been told. So you, you wanna check that out. You can go to schweizer.church next to find out all the details. As always, a big thank you to all those who helped make this worship experience possible. Thanks to Stephanie, to the team behind the scenes, to Alec and Taylor and Sydney and a bunch of other people, to the worship team and to Spencer for that awesome uh, delivery of the Word of God about the Spirit and how the Spirit brings unity to us. We live in a time where we need to pray for the Spirit to be active and present in our lives. And as we, as we get ready to go, may you know deeply that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love you and they're available to you and to our world so that we can walk in unity with God with one another. And in that unity of the triune God, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have courage for what lies ahead. The Lord loves you. Go in peace. Have a great week. was a 